I guess I should have said this up front that that really really good salespeople are generally not really really good business people. That's that's why we generally salespeople are hired by a firm to go work for them. And yeah. so so what I've got is a bunch of people that are making significant money that don't know how to run a business. And so they looking at their financial statements is not something that they're going to spend any time doing unless there's a problem. Want to learn what sets LiveFlow apart from the thousands of other QuickBooks online apps? Do you want to learn how LiveFlow saves time for hundreds of accountants and bookkeepers? Want to learn how LiveFlow helps accountants and bookkeepers to use LiveFlow successfully in their firms? Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor LiveFlow later in the episode. If you'd like to earn CPE credit for listening to this episode, visit earmarkcpe.com. Download the app, take a short quiz, and get your CPE certificate. Continuing education has never been so easy. And now, on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Earmark Podcast. I am your host, Blake Oliver, CPA, talking today with Michael Alleman. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Very excited to be here. This is going to be fun. So the reason we're talking today is because you've been a longtime listener of the Cloud Accounting Podcast, mm -hmm. and you heard us talking, me and David, my co-host, talking on the show about, I think it was QuickBooks Live software companies that are adding services and talking about the difficulty of competing with those types of businesses, especially when their prices are, say, $200 a month, which I right. believe is the current price for QuickBooks Live. I think David made an offhand comment. I might have agreed with him that it's impossible to build a bookkeeping business at something as low as $200 a month. So nobody's going to be able to compete with QuickBooks Live and we're all going to have to move up, which right. is... I think kind of commonly accepted wisdom, or maybe it's not wise, maybe it's wrong. And so you uh, disputed that. You recorded a voicemail, sent that into us and said, hey, actually, I have built a very, well, I don't know exactly what your words were, but it, what you feel is a very successful business yep. at the $200 a month price point. Mm -hmm. And that really got me intrigued uh, because if you can do that, you can be really successful because, uh, but the challenge is, of course, making it work. Uh, I worked right. at a large firm and yeah, we struggled to do that. We struggled to do bookkeeping for less than $1,000 a month. So, Michael Alleman, thanks for joining me. Uh, let's talk about $200 a month bookkeeping. Sure. No, I'd be happy to. Just a little bit of background. I'm a CPA and was practicing tax accounting for two of the, back then they were the big eight firms. Back then they were called Price Waterhouse. And then the other firm was Deloitte, Haskins and Sells age me. That was a bad fit for me. I thought it was the firm I worked for. It turns out it was me that was the problem. And so I jumped out of there into industry. I had a good friend that was managing a business in Florida, which is where I lived at the time. And he hired me to come in. They were, they were implementing a, a new software called AS400 that is now a relic, but they were having a lot of problems with their inventory. And they needed somebody to come in and just help them with with the inventory function of their new software because all the pricing was wrong and not, nothing was right. So long story short, I got into this business and which is essentially high-speed food manufacturing, which is- uh, High-speed food manufacturing. Salads in a bag is what most people call them. So when you go to the grocery store and you see the cut up vegetables and it's in a bag ready to eat, that was what we did. That's what we oh, were man, working we on. 
We, we like survive on those in my household, right? <laughs> we, we're all about yeah. that bag salad and they've gotten really, really good actually. They, they have. It, and it took yeah. a long time for us to get the technology right to be able to ship it from California to Florida and still be edible, you know, because of the sun on the trucks and all that oh, yeah. stuff. So we had to do a lot of experimentation, spent a lot of money on films and how to do it and all that. And I, don't, I won't get into all the technical stuff, but we basically had to learn how to do a nitrogen back flush into the bag so that it would uh, slow down oh. the respiration. Yeah, that's so that's how you keep it from spoiling or turn right. brown right it's it's okay there's gas in there yeah and the nitrogen ni so that's like uh with wine right there's those devices right. where you can like inject nitrogen gas into the wine bottle that you've opened so you it doesn't spoil same idea basically the same idea and it's it's certainly advanced since then but what that forced me into is learning to be a cost accountant we would ship a million pounds a week of fresh cut vegetables and we had to know it down to the fraction of a cent of what each component was costing and, and things like that. And it's vegetables. So there's it's a fee, an acre. You don't know what your cost is going to be until it's harvested and brought in because it depends on the yield per acre and all that stuff. So I did that for for several years. And then later in my career, I, I had worked for two companies. The last two companies I worked for were both sold. And you know they swept out the old management and brought in their own. And so I got tired of that Part. So I took what I had learned and went into a different kind of manufacturing, which was basically slow speed manufacturing, but still had the same cost analysis requirements. So I was working for a government contractor that was building parts for helicopters and things like that. Basically did the same thing at a much slower pace. And that company also ended up getting sold. So I decided at that time I had purchased half interest in a uh, human resources consulting firm and thought that I would add accounting to their human resources and sort of a one-stop shop for potential clients. And that the, the human resources side grew great, but it took all of my focus. So I ended up not so much doing the accounting part. And then we sold that firm and and then I dabbled around. I rented myself out as a CFO for a while. So in other words, I would go in as a consultant, but ask them to put me on their payroll so that so that I mm. had that kind of a uh, input into the business itself. And did that for a couple of different firms, which was interesting. I, I learned a lot about the, the short-term lending, high interest expense lending. Did that for about a year. And then finally in 2000, 18, I just decided that I was going to just work for myself, that I was I was not going to do this anymore. And I uh, had the luxury of having enough time to kind of explore what I wanted to do. And with a vote of confidence from a friend of mine who, who did a little bit of funding on the front end, uh, started a bookkeeping service. At the time I started it, I wasn't, I was sort of taking on the, the work for friends and people like that. Like I, I was doing a coffee shop, a veterinarian, things like that. And then I was talking to a a woman who is a coach inside of Keller Williams Real Estate Company, and she coaches the agents. And it wasn't even related to my uh, my search for, for what I wanted to do, but she said she was frustrated because her agents either didn't have P&Ls at all or if they did, they weren't in the format that's prescribed by Keller Williams, and they used that to compare them to, to other 
agents and other teams. So I went and looked at the book that was written by Gary Keller. It's called The Millionaire Real Estate Agent. And in that, he he has a full set chart of accounts and that he suggested for agents to use. So I called the woman back and I said, look, I could do this. I could set up the custom chart of accounts, but I but it would be not, it, I couldn't use it for any other clients because it's so very specific to what they do. And I said, so I'd need to know that there's a market big enough. And she came back with something like 127,000 Keller Williams agents in the United States and Canada. And I said, okay, there's a market to start with. And, and, um, so I put it all together. I st- put all my marketing materials together. But in the meantime, I got a referral from her to a client that needed this help. And that client became my first client. And that client referred me and she referred me to others. So all that stuff I spent on marketing was useless because my entire bil- business was built on marketing. On um, referrals. And I, I, yeah, on referrals. Sorry. We have a website. Somebody asked me about it the other day. I went and looked at it. It's so out of date. I have to work on that. But we just it, we don't get anything that way. It's just it's just client referrals. And so so you started with one Keller Williams real estate agent. They yep. refer you to others, and and that was basically the genesis of today's uh, Alleman Business Group. That's it. Yep. Yep. That's that's exactly what happened. And and. Go ahead. And then you said Keller, the the I'm assuming whoever founded Keller Williams. Yeah. Had a he wrote a book and in the book he had a chart of accounts for real estate agents. Yeah. Gary Keller is hmm. the is the Keller of Keller, Keller Williams. And and he wrote a book basically to teach agents how to become a millionaire real estate agent. And and it's very lofty and it's and it would take a lot of work to get there, but he's but he's very systematic. So he broke it down to every level, like how many calls you'd have to make, you know, to build your database to be able to eventually get to that place where you were uh, making a million bucks. And in doing so, he said, this is the recommended chart of accounts. And it's different from how you and I would normally look as an accountant. You know, it, we, we don't set it up the same way because he wanted to break everything down into nine expense categories and everything that we did had to fit under those categories. And so it's very specific to, to real estate. And uh, I, so I used that model. I didn't use it entirely, but I used that model to set up the chart of accounts that we use for for everyone. And I decided right up front that it was all going to be virtual. So QuickBooks Online was my only choice. And I built out, you know, I modeled the whole thing out for the first three years of what I could expect to to do. And one of the things that I wasn't sure about if so if I what what I tried to do is discover if there was a general market rate for for that kind of work for the for in real estate and there wasn't nothing that I could find. So I, I, I did find one other woman that was doing this and she spent a week with me kind of showing me what she did and uh, showed me her pricing. And so I just thought, okay, I backed into the numbers. If, if this is how many hours I'm going to spend and I think this is what I'm worth, this is the price. And my, I, we came out initially at $179 a month and not that doesn't include the the QuickBooks subscription. I want to make that right up front. Okay, so, doesn't so, include QuickBooks. No. So, and and do do you pay for the QuickBooks and then uh, charge the client, or do they pay it directly? Uh, generally, I pay for it and roll it okay. into their price. But um, that was also back in that time in uh, 2018-19. We were getting all those offers from QuickBooks where you could buy five buy five subscriptions five for five dollars each. Yeah. And, so, and they did that twice. And so I bought them all up. Um, so okay. 
so I was I was only paying five dollars a month for several of those clients. The first ones we used those up pretty quickly. So we actually started at one seventy nine, and we realized pretty quickly that that was not scalable, or it was scalable, but it wasn't going to be doable because they just couldn't throw off enough profit. So we set a price point at one ninety nine, and and built it out from there. <clears throat> Immediately, because it was so popular, ran into capacity issues, and so we turned to the software industry to try to look for solutions. And one of them that added a lot of capacity uh, that we that we brought on was ClickUp, and I mm. and it it just works for us. My partner is in Florida. I'm in California. So and because it's real estate, there's it's very document driven. We have to have all the closings and uh, all the documents that go along with it. And so we we are very email reliant, and lost emails became a thing pretty quickly. Forwarded yeah. emails that I don't know if she ever got or back and forth. So we found that so solution. Is it just you and your partner or do yep. you have employees? Okay. Nope. Just you and just your partner. Us. Yes, sir. And you've been doing this since you said 2018? 19? March of 2018. 18. Okay. Yep. And yeah. So is it all Keller Williams agents now? Is it? Well, generally, yeah. The bulk of our business is Keller Williams real estate agents and or teams. And, and that includes the, a single agent who's closing a few deals a month to my largest client will do about four and a half million dollars in revenue this year Wow! with a huge team. And so how many agents do you have or teams? I have 84 bookkeeping clients that, that we are producing monthly financials for. I also have a handful of just advisory only clients. I also do profit first implementation. Okay. And so I have a few clients and that's all I do for them. I have a couple of clients that I we sit down once a quarter and review their books and I just make suggestions. But as far as monthly, it's 84 right now. 84 monthly bookkeeping clients, fixed fee. Yep. And is the is the team making 4.5 million in revenue? Revenue, top line revenue. Yeah. 4.5 million in revenue. Are they paying $200 a month? <laughs> no, no, they're not. Okay. No. Okay. Got it. So that's a starting point. That's a start. That's that. Yeah, we have tiered pricing, you know. So the so if if you just called me and said, "Hey, I'm a single agent. I I you know work with buyers. You know, what's your pricing?" I it, it starts at one ninety nine, and then okay. and then can go up. Yeah, we know we have clients that are spending yeah. five times that with us each. No, month. that's 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 amazing. So yeah, so let's go back to my sort of the question that I had or or the challenge I had where I was at a larger firm and we were pricing everything fixed fee in our cash practice, right? Mm -hmm. We called it outsourced finance and accounting, but I was, I had an hourly rate as a manager and my staff had hourly rates and they were all uh, very high. I think I was billed out at like 225, 250 an hour. My staff were billed out at about half that. And so when we were computing the fees, like the the least I could ever seem to f- figure out how to fit into a budget would be a thousand dollars a month, and so we just weren't even able to take on anything smaller than that in terms of the fee. So how do you, with eighty four clients and you and your partner, like how do you balance all that? How do you how do you how does it work um, from a cost standpoint? And and you're you're a twenty year cost accountant, right? So yep. you yep. must have thought about this. Uh, yeah, this is what? this is a big barrier to like doing this kind of work. Is like how am I gonna how am I going to make money on these engagements? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, if I, if I heard me saying this 
without the knowledge that I've gone through, I'd say exactly the same thing. It's just not possible. But there's a, there's a lot of things that worked in my favor. Number one is that I I had the time to seek out clients. You know, I wasn't working another job while I was doing this. I got some seed money from a buddy of mine that wanted me to succeed. Not a lot, but enough to carry me for the first few months. That's one. The second thing is that I chose a niche, a very, very narrow niche or niche, and, and I'm mm-hmm. using the French, um, very, very narrow niche. And so we we didn't take on a lot of clients that, that came to us. I've had lots of requests from other people in other industries, but we just decided to focus on this. And the other thing that's really important, I think, for, for this conversation is that none of my clients have AP and AR. It's, it's, so we're not doing any of that. We're not full charge bookkeeping. We are doing, we're the data aggregators, but that even that we couldn't do without technology. So when we found ClickUp and then when we found LiveFlow, LiveFlow made all the difference in the world to us because it stopped us from having to send monthly reports. It, it, it stopped us from having to do the back and forth requests, back and forth for information um, for them to, you know, the, we'd get a call a day, say, hey, can you send me my September 2020 P&L that we didn't have? So we'd have to go back and create it and send it and things like that. Those kind of things now we just no longer do. Um, we Got it. So you're not doing AR or AP, which I can see how that would save a lot of time. You're yep. doing, I take it, cash basis, yep. bookkeeping. So you're you're aggregating the data. You're getting the transactions in from the credit cards, from the bank feeds, coding those into that standard chart of accounts every exactly. month. Yep. Okay. Setting and up I, every, oh, go ahead. Well, bank rules, right? Bank yep, uh, automation. Say. Like you you can automate like 90% of that these days if you're, and especially if you're niched, right? Like, right. Well, I'm sure a lot of these real estate agents have the same expenses or types of expenses. For a lot of them, they have exactly the same expenses they, they could, because they use the same software, for example, for their CRM, well, most of them do, um, and other things that are just typical of the industry. That yeah, we set up the bank rules, never see it; it just flows right through. Mm-hmm. But but one of the things that I was really important to me when I started this business was to not to not have to have my clients change the way they do business to work with me. So we tried all kinds of practice management software, and, and you know, they, to a person, they all came back and said, "I don't want another app on my phone. I don't need another login." you know, those kind of things. And so we bent our practice around them, around the way they work. Also, most of my clients are millennial and younger, so they live off their phone. So to ask them to get to a desktop somewhere to do something, is just not going to happen. So we we make accommodations for them based on the way that they work. And that that made our lives simpler once we set up the systems that that allow us to do that. It was a lot, lot easier. And then the, uh, to go back to it again, it's the, it's having that niche. It's just, there's every client is the same. Their numbers are bigger or smaller, but what they do is exactly the same. So I don't have to learn anything new. I go to a lot of their trainings, their financial trainings that set up for, for the agents to participate in. I go to those trainings so I can sort of hear what they're saying to each other and what they're saying about the you know, the financial life of, a, of an agent. And so I, I sort of learned to speak their language. I know what it is that they're looking for. I know especially what their coaches are looking for. Most of my clients have coaches within Keller Williams that, that train them. And so I have a good relationship with a lot of their coaches. 
and that just it just makes things simpler across the board. And and I should also add that even though I still do have a starting place of one ninety nine for for any client, that everything beyond the basic bookkeeping monthly reporting is is an add on. So if I'm going to help them with budgets, we charge for that. If I'm going to help them with payroll, we charge with that for that separately. But just to come on to be a client of ours for monthly bookkeeping services, yeah, you can still get it at one ninety nine plus the subscription for QuickBooks. Do you also fix the fee for budgeting work, for customized reporting, for payroll, or is that different? Um, no, it's a fixed fee, but it's but it's pretty inclusive. I as much as I can, I automate that too. So all of my clients are on QuickBooks payroll. If they Anytime we can, we just set that up to automatically auto pay each each pay period. Mm-hmm. So we're yeah we're way about efficiency. That's that's the biggest driver for us. That's the that's the way we're being able to do it is to get as efficient as as reasonably possible. You're but not what, supporting five different payroll systems. No. Yeah. No. Well, I mean we I mean we have clients that use Gusto and QuickBooks Payroll and paychecks and all that stuff, but I'm not doing their payroll. Right. I'll set it up and I'll even administer it, but I'm not entering their hours each each week and Got stuff it. like that. So yeah, we, we push that back to the client as much as possible for two reasons. One, it's just time consuming. The other is just for liability. I don't want to get caught in yeah. you know, somebody getting paid incorrectly. Oh no, that's the worst. I mean, my, the worst days of my life as a firm owner were when I had a staff that it it only happened one time in my entire firm existence, but we forgot to run a payroll Mm, and it was for a big client. And I had to call the client and say, we screwed up. So yes, I'm with you on having them run it. Let them make that mistake. Oh yeah. 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 And yeah, payroll is the bane of my existence, but anyway. Think about this. If you have approximately 60 clients and create five reports a month for each of them, that's over 3,600 reports a year. And let's say you're really fast and it only takes you a minute per report. That's almost 2.5 days a year you spend creating reports. Here are a few of the ways how LiveFlow saves time for so many accountants and bookkeepers. Once you create the perfect suite of reports for a client, you can just copy the Google Sheet, use LiveFlow to connect it to a different client's QuickBooks Online company, and you're done. The new reports will pull in the data for the second client automatically. You can easily drill down to the details of each number on a live flow report, including drilling down to the transaction level to navigate directly to the transaction inside of QuickBooks Online. No more opening QuickBooks Online to search for a specific transaction. LiveFlow and Google Sheets are in the cloud, so you don't have to waste time emailing files between your team and clients. You can give your clients access to a suite of reports that they can view at any time, eliminating one-off requests for you or your staff. To learn more about using LiveFlow and how you can save 20% off your first three months, head over to earmarkcpe.promo slash LiveFlow. That is earmarkcpe.promo forward slash L-I-V-E-F-L-O-W. Stop manually updating your spreadsheets with LiveFlow. So, so you mentioned a couple apps, right? You mentioned mm-hmm. LiveFlow, you mentioned ClickUp. Let's talk about how the apps fit into automating this thing so you can have this many clients, 84 monthly yep. bookkeeping clients, and many, I'm sure more than that, that do other stuff with you right. uh, and not go insane, right? Yep. So, uh, <laughs> well, 
So, so let's start with ClickUp since you mentioned that first. Is that yeah. uh, that's a task management app, project management app that uh, general purpose? I've used it myself. I know a lot of people in accounting love it. We've adapted it for running an accounting or bookkeeping practice. Right. Uh, yeah. Tell me about like how you selected that. Why you use it versus a why do you use it versus a say a, an accounting specific task management tool or project management tool? Well, when I looked at uh, the the practice management, the you know, Lysio and Carbon and all the other ones, I mean, and Canopy, we went through all of them. And the issue that my clients had with those um, we, was having to log into something else and rather than have it just be there for them. And so we, we got a lot of pushback when we tried, even uh, we tried uh, Client Hub, which works great, but I just couldn't get my clients to use it. Again, because another app on the phone sort of thing. Um, and so we we pulled back from that. And and the reason that we ended up with ClickUp is, is this is going to sound silly, but it was because of lost emails. And ClickUp has a feature that it sits right inside my Gmail. I use Gmail for my business email and has a little emblem right inside each email that I can just click the emblem and it opens up a new task, which I can assign it to the client's folder and notifies my partner that it's come in. That's the most important thing so that she knows that there's a new task that's been created. We tried just forwarding emails back and forth, but as you know, emails get lost or, or don't yep. get, and I, and you have no way of knowing. And we tried some of the email, we tried front, we tried uh, Pixie or whatever it is. We tried a whole bunch of them and just never found it to work as well as ClickUp, which just, automatically puts it and it tags it in my email showing me mm. that it has been in fact uploaded got it so 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 you're using email to communicate with these agents they mm. send you something needs to become a task it's, it's something that needs to be done right you're using the uh is it the chrome extension right. that they have and that yep. so that that creates a little button in uh gmail and and this is something that I don't know if they even have this in Outlook, but it's like my favorite thing about Google Apps is this ability to have plugins to yeah. Gmail like that. And so you click the button and then it becomes a task and imports the email into your software. Now, do you email clients back from ClickUp? Are you able I, to do that? Yep. Yep. I can, you yeah. can email right from a task. And and so if we, for the few clients we have bank requests or, you know, bank statement requests, most of us, most of them give us a, an accountant login to their bank. But for those that don't, uh, we'll email it from ClickUp and ask for your, your bank statements. And then it, because we've initiated it from ClickUp, when the bank statements come in, they come back right into that task. That's so nice. They're, they're already held there. So, yeah. but the main purpose for us though is because it's real estate. Where there's a document for every closing. There's documents that are that go with it, and we need those documents to properly account for it. So, again, my clients are generally not at their desktop. They're generally on a phone, and so they get the email. This doc, those documents emailed to them. They just turn around and email it to us, and then it becomes a task and click up when. Once it's come in and you can automate that as well. So. Yeah. So I think the obvious objection to this workflow from many CPAs I know would be security. Right. How can you ensure the security of these documents if they're being emailed to you and not uploaded to a portal? But you just said that the documents are being emailed to the realtor in the first place. Yeah. Or the agent, I should say. The agent, so, yeah. yeah. So, so, I guess nobody really care. Nobody's really worried about the security of these documents. 
Oh, I tried to make them worried. That's that. Yeah. I I really wanted to use one of the practice management softwares so that we could avoid this altogether. They just it, they're just yeah. there's I you know I have a I have a two kids. I have a 33 year old daughter and a 32 year old son, and they both say I already know they know everything about me. They just don't take online security very seriously. They just like, and that's my clients are that same way. Well, I love what you said about. I forget exactly what it was, but it was something about you know, not making your clients adopt to your systems. It's adopting to their, what they do now. And if email is what they do, it's going to be really hard to get them off of it. And I tried, I, I was there with you. I tried um, using Podio mm-hmm. to try and get my clients to use that to communicate with me. I had to build my own practice management software because it didn't really exist. Right. And I got maybe 50% adoption at best. Yeah. And so then I wasn't really that much better off because now I've got two places I'm I'm getting well, stuff. And it was actually my partner that came back to me. She says, I am so tired of having to check in three different places for new tasks. She says, I'm over yeah. it. You know, what, uh, she said, I'd rather just go back to emailing each other. So, And I've told this to uh, practice management developers in the accounting space. And maybe, I don't know, maybe somebody's listening and will hear it. But in, until you figure out how to allow me to uh, deal with the email inside yeah. of your app, as, as well as whatever improved solution you have, I have to be able to do both things in your yeah. system or I can't use it because otherwise it's multiple places now. Yeah, no, so. I, I completely agree. And they're trying. I know I know yeah. Lucio just recently introduced that into their, into their program. But the other problem that I have with them is I'm paying for stuff that I'll never use. You know, mm, I'm, I, we right. don't do taxes. I don't need all the tax stuff. Oh, so, yeah. So what do you do for... What do you do for taxes? Like, what do you tell your clients to do? Do you have referral partnerships? Do you? I have I have a series of tax accountants around the country. A series. I have a handful of them that I use that I recommend. But most of them come to me already with a tax a CPA, and a lot of them that come to me, their CPA had done their bookkeeping. But as as we kind of said at the beginning. You know, you're kind of going to get what they give you as, mm-hmm. as far as reporting. You're not going to get. You're not going to ask your CPA to implement the, the MREA format into their chart of accounts just for them, unless they're only doing this kind of work. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I can't imagine how you can make a living as a CPA doing just real estate agents. So tax but, returns, yeah, yeah. So, so, but I've got a couple that are that I refer to because they they're they know the system. Have you thought about bringing the tax in-house and doing that as well as part of your fixed package price? I, I, I've thought about it. And the closest I've got to it is um, there's a gentleman out in Florida that we he and I are talking. He's a tax accountant. And he's he and I are talking about him being the tax arm of our business and just, just doing that. But I was a tax accountant for your public for four years. And just I there's just no way for me to keep up with it all. I just don't. I'm ADHD on top. Of, I I should have probably said that up front too. So okay. I I have the attention span of a three year old. So if you could see my office right now, there's whiteboards <laughs> everywhere. Actually, back here, that shiny stuff that you see, that's that wallpaper whiteboard. Yeah, and it's it's everywhere with my tasks, are, and I've got sticky notes all around, and I alarm set. I had to turn my phone off because I have alarms that go off all the time to remind me of things. So you know, I actually think that that could be a an advantage in bookkeeping or running a cast practice or this kind of work, because I have that trouble. I've never been diagnosed as ADHD or anything like that, but I have trouble focusing and remembering things. And 
you know, there's people who can remember deadlines in their head. Like, you know, my wife's one of those people. She can remember her doctor's appointment, not put it in her calendar and still get there on time. If, if that happened to me, like if I didn't put it immediately in my calendar, I'm not, I don't even know I have one, right? Right. And, nope. and, uh, and so I've always had to design systems to save myself from myself. Right. Right. You know? Oh, that's, that's it entirely. I you would, we have them hidden now, but like if you open my kitchen cabinets, there's some of that white paper stuff in there and I, to write down what we're out of. And then when yeah. I go to the store, I just go around and take pictures of all those whiteboards because there's no possible way I will remember. You know, if I think to myself, oh, look, we're almost out of coffee, that yeah. I'll shut yeah. the door and that, <laughs> it'll never come up again until tomorrow when I got to make coffee. So, uh, well, so, yeah. I may have, I think I've taken us off where we were. We were talking <laughs> about apps and we had gotten to click up. And yep. I want to make sure that we get to um, the others. Anything else you want to add about practice management, you know, what you're using internally to to make sure all this work gets done and you don't forget? Uh, well, we've just done a lot of automation in Google Sheets. So if you looked at our month-end worksheet, it's just nothing but columns of check marks if this has been accomplished. And then, and then that automatically lights up another one that tells my partner that this is ready to review or whatever. So it, it looks like a, like a New York Times billboard. With all the different okay. colors and checks, but but no, we've we've had to create whatever we needed. So month end close checklist in a Google Sheet, mm-hmm. and you just roll that forward, I guess, for yep. each client. Yeah, it makes sense. Spreadsheets yeah. will yeah. never go away. Still, yeah. still work great. Yeah, I I know they keep trying to kill them, but no, that's that's pretty much how we operate. Well, you mentioned LiveFlow, and they are replacing spreadsheets for reporting purposes. So tell me yep. about how you're using that. Well, it's funny because I initially I heard about LiveFlow on your show, your, uh, the the cloud account, uh, cloud accounting podcast show, and I went and looked at it, and, I, and when I first saw it, I was really excited, mostly because what I wanted more than anything else was to not have to go into QuickBooks, and download into Excel the uncategorized expenses, and and then put it into a, a Excel, and then pretty it up so I could send it to my client so they could fill in the blanks to tell us what these expenses were for. Because that took us, as you can imagine, with all the clients that we have, that we had to do that back when we first got it. It was We had 70 clients. So we had to do that every, drill every month for 70 different clients. And so when I first saw LiveFlow, which for those who aren't familiar with it, it connects directly into my QuickBooks online for all my clients. And it and it snags the data. It's a one-way search, so it just pulls the data into a Google spreadsheet. And so I wanted to just use it to create those month-end, you know, uncategorized expense worksheets, and uh, and it worked fine. But it, but then as I talked to them more, the founders, I, I got, I had several calls with them. First, because I was frustrated because they didn't do some things that that I wish they, that it would. But then. Then I uh, talk, then I realized that I could create these financial statements that live in my Google Drive. My clients can access, but they're they look like a spreadsheet. They're not pretty like what you would get from a management report from QuickBooks. And so uh, we tried initially to ha- to just have our clients go there and to see their their month end financials, and that was met with lukewarm lukewarm appreciation, I guess, at best. But then I realized that I was thinking about it all wrong, that I didn't need to present the financials through LiveFlow, but I could present built on LiveFlow. Using LiveFlow as my backend database, I started building custom reports because each one of my clients, even though they have the same business, 
their emphasis is on different things. So I have built out custom reports that are interactive that so you can click uh, click here and pull down September of last year, your P&L, compare it to the year before, and then and then on the side I built KPIs, you know, just things that they look at that each client looks at specifically, ratios they want to see or or whatever it happens to be. And so I got into that world and suddenly it, everything just made a whole lot of sense. So now any new clients that I bring on, we don't even offer the the monthly reports from QuickBooks. We we build them as custom reports and then we teach our clients how to get them when they need them. It's so if they need them for a bank or mm-hmm. if they are for, for a lending purpose or, or their CPA or whatever. Um, they so, can, so help me understand this from a client experience standpoint. So I, sure. you, you've closed my books for the month. Mm-hmm. I get an email from you or mm-hmm. is this something, an email from ClickUp or something? That, and what, what am I seeing? Am I getting an attachment? Am I getting a link? Do I have to go log in somewhere? Well, we do. We send a link because nobody will bookmark it. But so again, right. we accommodate. Um, mm-hmm. We send a link. It's the same set of financials. It's always been in in the back end, and they all the the beautiful thing about it is that they all update automatically. Well, you know, they update once an hour. So any changes that we make in QuickBooks appear in the live flow reports within an hour. And where do the live flow reports live? In my Google Drive. So they're, so they're a, Google Sheets. Yeah, they're, they're Google Sheets. Yeah. Okay, so, got it. So then, yeah. So we send them a link. Your reports are finished for the month. Click here, go see them, and we've got a set of five standard, you know, reports: P and L, monthly P and uh, P and L by month, year to date, balance sheet, and I include a cash flow statement, even though none of them look at it. Um, they do when I inform them that they're running low on cash. So suddenly, it's very important to them. So there is some security here because, I mean, you can with a Google Sheet or a folder, you can permission it, right? You can say view only, exactly. comment only, edit exactly. And most people, I feel like most people have a Google account. So like that is not as much of a barrier saying now you have to log into this specific reporting software just for your monthly reports, which is with practice management software portals becomes an issue, right? Exactly. And it's a link. So they can just click it and go over to it and take a look. And we've figured out how to make them fairly presentable. You know, it's still a spreadsheet. So it's it's never going to look exactly like like a nice report. But but. The other, it gives us space. So, so we've turned our reports into narrative reports as, as opposed to static reports. So they're all interact. You can pick the month, your year to date, whatever. Click here, drop it down, see September, see October, whatever it is that you want to see, see the year to date. Um, and, and all of the, the details that they want to see are right there on the same page. So I know for a fact that most of my clients never look at their financials unless we get on the phone together if they have a question. And so I I don't, the redundancy of doing that each month just became another place where we could shave off a few minutes per client and a few minutes per client turns into hours saved if we can, if we can just direct them to, to their own uh, folder. And again, each one of their custom reports is custom to them. It's not just a generic custom report. It's, it's for each client depending on what their hot spots are. What is it they're right. looking for? So right now, everybody's looking at cutting costs. As the real estate market gets weird with interest rates rising and things like that, they're all looking at their costs. Well, we just set up these reports for them that show them their expenses by vendor by month and all those kind of things that are available in QuickBooks. But this is now a live report that they can refer to back at any time. So, 
So you're customizing the reports for each of your clients, but the key is you're only doing that once. You're not having to do it every month. Exactly. Because LiveFlow connects to the QuickBooks data and pulls in the new numbers for, okay. Yeah, I could see how that would save a ton of time. (laughs) Just, Just exporting to, well, we used to spend a lot of time just exporting to Excel from QBO or Xero and then combining all the f- multiple Excel files into a single workbook, right. and then PDFing that workbook, and then sending the PDF. And then if you had a problem where you had screwed up, you had to then re-PDF and, yeah, it was, <laughs> or maybe if you were unlucky, you had to export all the Excel files over again. Yeah. Yep. I'm, no, preach- that, you I'm preaching to the choir. Our, yeah, you described our whole routine. And, yeah, because there's yeah. always changes, not, not yep. with everybody, but every month there's changes. So, uh, yeah. Well, so so those ClickUp, LiveFlow, anything else that is like key to the efficiency in your firm? Um, we we started using Uncat um, for the uncategorized stuff. It's especially for uh, if we new clients with a history that has to be brought up to date. It's a beautiful product. Just and and again, it just sends a link. You know, they call it the magic link. But they mm. just, my client clicks yep. on it and and they're on their dashboard with, with everything that we need to see. What I love about this is just how easy it is from the client's perspective. You're making yeah. it as easy as possible for me as a client. I don't have to log into stuff. I can just click a link. Yep. You're not making me go hunt for something in a portal. You're not making me log into a portal to send you stuff. Right. And it, that that means a lot. It Well, and also, I, I guess I should have said this up front, that, that really, really good Salespeople are generally not really, really good business people. That's that's why we generally salespeople are hired by a firm to go work for them. And yeah. so, so what I've got is a bunch of people that are making significant money that don't know how to run a business. And so, they looking at their financial statements is not something that they're going to spend any time doing unless there's a problem. And so, we had to simplify things down as much as we possibly could to get the important information in front of them, which. They would have to take their their PDFs and go through and you know use their calculator to figure out what their spend ratios are or you know one of the big mar- measurements from Keller Williams is their cost of sales and they needed to be within a certain range to build their business mm-hmm. um, and so we just get that it's right up front when you log into your financials right on the front page you're going to see your your total volume your cost of sales your net income the KPIs. Exactly. And it's right in your face. So you don't have to go search for anything. Yeah. So what's your day look like? Uh, So generally I'm up at 445 in the morning. I go exercise for about an hour. Sit. I I log in at eight. My partner does a lot of the technical or not the technical, the the transactional stuff that needs to be done. She'll, She'll go through each client. And update, you know, their banking and categorize what she can. And then she sends me exception reports. Like, here's things I need your help with. She's not an accountant by training, although she's getting baptized by fire. So she'll send me an exception report. Here's the things that I can't, I need you to take a look at. And then I spend a large part of my day now that we've created the time, I spend a large part of my day actually interacting with clients on on things that um, either I'm concerned about or I think they should be concerned about. And so a lot of my time is spent in either, you know, writing emails to clients or, and or getting on a Zoom call with them and just and pulling up their reports and saying, here's areas of concern. Most of my client, not most, I offer all my clients a half an hour of my time each month 
to go over their reports. Very few take me up on it. Some we meet every week for a half an hour. Some we meet once a month. Some, as I said before, once a quarter. So that, like after this call, about an hour after this call, then I'll have one of those. I'm going to get on the phone with a client and and just talk through some of their problem areas. And it's it's a little, it's changed a little bit now because the market is so weird that because the interest rates are up in some areas of the country, we're seeing a significant slowdown and others were not seeing a significant slowdown. So I, I am working with historical data with them and also just what I see in the big picture to what are other clients doing that are being successful versus what are we doing? So, and I have access to a lot of that data as far as who's doing what and how successful they're being. So uh, my day may look like, like I'll, I'll tell you that I've got two new clients that I've got to build out their stuff this week. So I'll be I'll be working on that, uh, histor- their historical data, because uh, we're going back to the beginning of this year. I've got a payroll issue. That's why uh, that came top of mind that I've got to see if I can solve. And um, there's one other thing on my list for today. I have, a, I have, I told you I have nothing but sticky notes to list. Post-it oh. notes. Yeah, I've got uh, one, one of my, the first client that I got has got some questions and wants to change up some things in their reporting just because their emphasis has changed. So I'm building out some reports for them so that they have better access to the data that they need. So it just depends. You log in in the morning, did you say 8 a.m.? Yeah. Or before that, 8 a.m.? Like when do you typically, when are you, when are you usually done for the day? Funny you should ask. I have an alarm set on my phone. <laughs> I have an alarm that goes off at three o'clock just to remind me that it's three o'clock because because the down or not the downside, but one aspect of ADHD is that I can get hyper focused and, and forget to do things like eat because yeah. I get into something and the time just becomes meaningless to me. Um, but I schedule this to be done at six fifteen. I have an alarm that pops up on my phone that says quit working at six fifteen. But I also have the luxury of working from home. And so yesterday I had some medical things done, you know, that I I took most of the day and just did that. And so today I'll work a little later to just to catch up on everything. But the goal is to be done by six, so eight to six. Plus I'm on California. No, go ahead. Well, I'm in California, so and a lot of my clients are on the East Coast. So they're shut down by three, three o'clock in the afternoon, my time. They're shut down. So... It, there's not much going on after four o'clock from my side, um, so I can I can schedule out that way. I don't know what it is, but I just have a really hard time working between three and five p.m. That's like when I hit my low point. Yep. That's you know, in an ideal world, I go take a nap. Yep. I don't. I can't because I have a kid, so I got to go pick him up from school. But then yeah. we kind of do the homework and stuff, and that re-energizes me. And then I come in, and if necessary, I'll work in the evening. But I try to avoid it. I feel like if I'm really focused. From eight until three, I'll just knock stuff out. And yeah. I know that I don't have a lot of time, so I got to do it. Well, it's funny that you say that because I know my biorhythms. That one of the things, one of the therapists that was helping me with ADHD, she's, she said, you need to figure out when you're at your best for detailed work versus kind of more theoretical overview work. And, and about three o'clock, I'm done. If you need me to produce spreadsheets for you after three, it's going to be a long, long process. If I can do it first thing in the morning, I can get it kicked out, you know, in a few minutes, but because I'm very sharp like that first thing in the morning. Yeah. But by three in the afternoon, I'm now I'm look now I'm completely working on the business instead of in the business, you know, at, by three, because that's when my creative stuff comes out and I can't do any of that detailed 
stuff. It's just not even worth a try. So, Michael, uh, Mr. X cost accountant, do yes, you sir. track your time? Yes. You do? Okay. I do. I do. And down to the client? No. I We used to. Um, we both track our time, but... It, but it's become more of an exercise of of capacity. It's really a capacity issue for us because all we have to sell is time. And so it's like we're not taking on any new clients for the rest of the year because we have an imbalance in our work right now. I'm working more than my partner is. And and that's just because I allowed it to grow that way. And And so it's becoming tougher and tougher. So although we could take on clients from a capacity from her side, from the end, the review side, which is me, um, I just I'm full. I can't I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And so we so, we cut. So so you're tracking time by like the type of work you're doing. We're track. My partner is tracking time. Just she's just tracking her time. So okay. she's she just clock because, in, clock out. Yeah, we have a s- spreadsheet, of course, and then mm-hmm. I, of course I've got all the analysis on it, so I can see. Um, just because I wanted to make sure that that. Well, I initially started it because I didn't want her to be overwhelmed. And and so we got it to the point where she's not overwhelmed, but it's kind of shifted it back to me. Not because, only because we take on new clients. My the my part, the, the review part, which is essentially what I end up doing, is, I, I you know, we have 85 clients. We want, try to get everything out by the 15th at the latest. So if it takes me an hour per client, I've, there I've got 85 hours of time that got to be mashed into the first two weeks yep. uh, of the, of the month. And to, we just can't at this so, moment, we can't. Right. And I, so that's how you're thinking about it in terms of capacity. You're saying, okay, an hour per client, I've got 85. I'm maxed out at this point. If I want to get the financials out by the 15th. Right. And right. I love how high level that is, as opposed to tracking down to the client, which is what a lot of us have to do. Yeah, in public firms, and then you look at the budgets every month, you know, and see which ones you went over on, or you have to bill them by the time. And um, I want to ask you a question, one more before we sure. go. This is more of a philosophical question. Sure. Uh, so I have I have a theory that industrial cost accounting applied to accounting firms and service businesses is what causes them to really fail in a lot of ways um, because you can't account for people the same way you account for widgets and machines. Do you agree or disagree with that? A hundred percent agree. I, I think timesheets are the bane of the accounting world's existence. Honestly, I just, I don't think it makes any sense to track an individual down to that level of, of detail because there's some people that, for example, my partner is much better at, at just the transactional stuff in QuickBooks because she, she doesn't get distracted. She just gets in, she does it. She, you know, she sets up the new rules, whatever it happens to be. So she can, she can do, it takes her about half as long to do the transactional work as it would me, because I start doing it and I think, oh, that's probably doesn't belong there. Maybe we should create a new category. I should call them and see if they want to track this separately. You know, if you're doing client events and you've got three a year, do you want to name them? And so for budgeting purposes next year, you know how much it costs. And so I go down these rabbit holes and she just gets in and chunks workout. So is she better than me? That's that's not a realistic comparison. And I don't think you can do that at any level. 
you know, because if, yeah, if I, if I applied cost accounting to accounting firms, I'd probably recommend most of them need to shut the doors or, or do something different because it, oh, it would be. <laughs> well, one, one more question before we go. Sure. Uh, I lied about it. That being one more question. Uh, That's okay. So, you know, you've, it's you and your partner mm-hmm. and you got 80 something clients there, 80 odd clients. You're maxed out now. So what are your plans to grow? Are you happy where you're at? Are you going to stick with it? Are you going to hire? You seem to have a big opportunity with, what did you say, 100,000 or more agents yeah. for Keller Williams? Like you could get really, you could build a really big firm if you wanted to, it sounds like. And there are some that are that are really big, but they run into the same problem as I mentioned at the outset. Is you, they become real standardized and you can't ask for anything special. You can't ask for a special analysis or stuff like that. Or if you do, it's going to cost you a tremendous amount of money. And so we are kind of in that gap between the the super expensive CPA level bookkeeping type of stuff and then just the spreadsheet guy that's just taking your bank statements and putting them into a spreadsheet. So we sort of fill in that gap. But I'm also very relational with my clients. And so I want to build in time for that as well. And now I've come, here we go, ADD. I completely lost track. What was the question? What was the initial well, question you asked? Yeah, where do you want to go with your business? Oh, yeah, right. So I'm actually um, in the process of training someone to become a bookkeeper just like me. And they're paying me to do that. And they will they will initially start off as an employee, not an employee, but they'll be one of the users on my QuickBooks. And so I can watch the work that they're doing as I start to refer to them. And so we're going to increase our capacity by however much he's able to take on. And then uh, we're also in the, in the, right now, we're looking at the best way to bring on somebody to take part of Amy, my partner's work on so that she, her capacity is freed up so that then she can move more into an uh, overview role. And because she's worked with me for so long now that she catches the same things that I catch. And so she can do more of the review process. And and to be honest, she's doing more of that now, but we haven't taken anything off of her front end. So she's doing more of review work, but we haven't minimized her task oriented work. So we're going to, the question is, do we bring on an employee? Do we, do we go and find a virtual assistant someplace that, you know, has enough QuickBooks knowledge that they can do some of the transactional stuff without us? So. Well, Michael, uh, you have an opportunity here because maybe somebody's listening and they uh, are interested in being a part of this. Where should they go to find you online? Well, the best place is our website, which is allmanbusinessgroup.com. And um, I mean, that's actually the only site. And that will take you to, that. Tech, that's our big overall business site. And if you click, there's a link there to our bookkeeping site as well. And um, the, the, again, there's not a lot of information there. I don't, I don't have pricing on it or anything like that because I'd rather sell me rather than my price. And, well, and like you said, you uh, you had so much success with referrals that yeah. you didn't really need to do marketing, and we, so we, we've know. turned away we've turned away a dozen clients in just in the last month that that you know want to come in and I I say we can't not until next year and they, we're also going through I should say this after I mean we kind of based all this on on the pricing but um, we are going through a price increase that we're that we're going to thoughtfully put out to uh, most of our clients because we have a target average that we want to hit each month mm-hmm. and. Uh, we're close, but we're not close enough. And then we're we are rethinking the whole overall pricing scheme. Just as far as uh, I mean, we'll still have the two hundred dollar entry point, but 
as far as some of the other things that we do that we kind of give away, for lack of a better word to say it, you know, somebody somebody calls and says, hey, can you, uh, I, I have a, there, somebody's uh, in, uh, state income taxes didn't get, just didn't get into the state. The service says that they can't send it. So there, so now I'm going to call Gusto and find out why the payments didn't get made, and then I'll call the state. And so, and a lot of that I've given away in the past. And so now we're just pricing it right up front, uh, mm-hmm. mostly to diminish that kind of work. To be honest, is mm-hmm. because it's not. I'm just the only one they know that could that could speak the language of payroll. So that's yep. why they asked me to do it. So. Well, somebody's got to do it. Uh, um, it's good that your clients have you, you know, in their corner. So Michael Alleman, thank you for talking to me. I learned a lot today. I'm inspired now. I mean, I kind of want to go out and create a super niched firm like what you've done. It's, it's very exciting and I hope our listeners enjoyed it as well. And a reminder to our listeners that you can earn free CPE credit, NASPA approved, continuing professional education credit for certified public accountants, certified management accountants, and even enrolled agents at earmarkcpe.com. Download the free app, find this episode on the Earmark channel and register. Take a quick five question quiz and you can get your CPE certificate. We're coming up toward the end of the year. It is November, 2022. And I know a lot of people are rushing to get their CPE before January 1st. So we've got it for you and you can do it away from your desk while you're walking around, while you are working out, while you're doing the dishes. I do all of those things while I earn my CPE now. So uh, Michael, thanks for helping us create this wonderful course and educating the profession. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Blake. This has been great. Thank you.